Hey everyone, it's Brett. And this is Nick. So we love the holiday season and we didn't want to let this one pass without giving you listeners a couple of gifts. Don't worry if you didn't get us anything. <laughs> Listening to the show and sharing it with your family and friends is the best gift you can give us any time of year. That said, we have left you two gifts under the tree in the next room. So if you just go through that door right there, the tree is lit up, there's music playing, we've even got a cozy fire going for you. So pick whichever gift grabs your eye first, read the card, and then give the gift a listen. Then rinse and repeat with gift number two. Thank you again for supporting the show. And happy holidays, everybody. Dear listener, hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. I hope you're warm. It's been a difficult year for everybody, but I do truly feel so fortunate to be at home safe with my family. I hope that you are somewhere safe and warm and feel loved. Since it's the Christmas season, I wanted to get you a gift. Unfortunately, like the little drummer boy, I have no gifts to bring. Plus, I don't know where you live. So, that's a big part of it. However, also like the little drummer boy, I bring the gift of my own drum, my own podcasting drum or something. Just something that I wanted to share with you to say thank you. So, I hope you enjoy the gift. I did leave the gift receipt in the box, just in case. And Merry Christmas. XOXO, Nick. Right now, a historic moment. Uh, we can now project the winner of the presidential race. CNN projects Donald Trump wins the presidency. The business tycoon and TV personality capping his improbable political journey with an astounding upset victory. Donald J. Trump. Obviously, that clip is from the early morning of November 9th, 2016, just a matter of hours after the polls closed and the election that would decide the next president of the United States. That was a crazy election, a crazy election night, and it didn't get any less crazy once the outcome was clear. But honestly, I never heard the networks call the election for Trump. I didn't really hear any news at all for months. Because once the results started to look bad, I turned everything off and started what would become a months-long news blackout. No social media, no cable news, and I informed everybody that I spoke or texted with that I was not talking or thinking about the election at all, and that they needed to respect that. I don't remember how long the blackout lasted, but it was at least through late January, so at least two and a half months. Anyway, before the election, I was all in on election coverage because I've loved politics since I was in fourth grade. I watched every night of the Democratic National Convention that year, 
I begged my mom to let me stay home to watch Bill Clinton's inauguration. And that was also the year that I figured out that I would first be eligible to run for president in the year 2020. But during the news of the blackout, I had to find other things to fill all of that time. I didn't have any politics. One of the things that ended up filling all of that time kind of surprised me, and it's perhaps a little embarrassing maybe. And this video that I'm about to play for you is 100% real. The magical town of Cookie Jar is about to meet an unexpected guest. My name's Hannah Harper. I'm with National Foods. Jay Carter. Hannah. Will she take over the town's cookie factory? This is a very generous offer. Before he steals her heart. Why don't you come to my aunt's for dinner tonight? Professional dinner? Thought you said we were going to talk about business. I said we were going to talk. Jill Wagner. It takes a little bit of love to make something really special. Christmas cookies. On Hallmark Channel. Yes, that's right. I, Nick Jaworski, started watching Hallmark Christmas movies. And not like one or two. I watched a lot of them. Which is good because Hallmark made over 20 new movies that year. If you're unfamiliar with the plot of a Hallmark Christmas movie, it's pretty simple. Somebody, usually a woman, is working in the big city but is forced to visit a small town that loves Christmas either because she has to help her aging parents run their store or because she's been sent by their company to go buy a beloved store or bakery, something like that. And of course, she doesn't like Christmas. Once she gets to the small town, she'll either end up meeting a handyman firefighter type or the owner of the shop that she's been sent to purchase. Their name must be somehow related to Christmas. Nick, Joseph, Chris, Luke. Matthew. Perhaps he's a widower, right? He's got a couple of kids, because if he has kids, then their mother must be dead. There is no divorce allowed in the Hallmark universe. Eventually, that man will teach her the true meaning of Christmas. They'll fall in love, and then they'll share a kiss at the very, very end. To get a sense of that formula in action, this opening from a video made by Aphotic Productions is called Every Hallmark Movie, and it's barely parody. Hello, this is Jane Fitzgardner. Hi, Cheryl. Do you mind if I call you back? I'm about to hop on a flight to Ho 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 Merry Christmas Town, Ohio for the holidays, and I haven't been back since I became a very busy businesswoman doing business things. Thanks, coworker Cheryl. Merry Christmas. It turns out that the rules of a Hallmark Christmas movie are very specific. Entertainment Weekly has a wonderful interview with two anonymous writers of some Hallmark movies, and they cover some of the ground rules. For example, in a Hallmark movie, there has to be a lot of Christmas activities. Gingerbread making contests, snowman making contests, tree decorating, caroling, just that kind of stuff. Also, someone's soon-to-be ex, you know, the one back in the big city, they can't be mean or, like, abusive in any way, obviously. They just have to be not right for the main character. My favorite quote from that article talks about what they call the first rule of Hallmark Christmas movies. Quote, the first rule is snow. We really wanted to do one where the basic conflict was a fear that there will not be snow on Christmas. We were told you cannot do that. There must be snow. You cannot threaten them with no snow. They cannot be waiting for the snow. There has to be snow. This year, during a pandemic, Hallmark Channel and its sister channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, will premiere 40 new movies between October 23rd and Christmas Day. 
That's more than one new Christmas movie every other day. Right now, as I write this, Hallmark is airing one of their new movies. It's called Good Morning Christmas. And it's about two squabbling TV hosts that are sent to a festive small town over Christmas. The town of Mistletoe has won Deck Your Town with Bright and Mary. We're filming for a week. Oh, oh I no can't do that. I can do that. You need to work on your Christmas. I'm not really a Christmassy guy. Allison Sweeney. We wouldn't be a very good couple. Some days we're not even good co-hosts. Mark Lucas. Jingle all the way. Do, do, do. <laughs> good morning, Christmas. On Hallmark Channel. The heart of Christmas. Good Morning Christmas premiered on November 25th of this year. And, yes, I've already seen it. It's actually the meanest Hallmark movie that I think I've seen. She wants to rehearse their scripts, and he hates rehearsing and has decided to leave the show. Whatever will they do? The answer, of course, is that they're going to fall in love and kiss at the end. It's really impossible to spoil a Hallmark movie. During the week of the 2016 election, the Hallmark Channel placed fourth in primetime viewership on all of TV. Perhaps not coincidentally, it beat out the liberal-leaning MSNBC in ratings that week. For the year, viewership among people aged 18 to 49 grew by 26%. And this year, since their Countdown to Christmas started, Hallmark has been the top-rated cable channel. A premiere of one of their movies will grab about 2.5 million viewers, which in 2020 is pretty darn good. Which brings me back to one more Hallmark Christmas rule. According to those anonymous writers, in order to have Hallmark approve your Christmas script, you can't have too much conflict at any point. The writers say that you can't use words like hate or crazy or stupid, and everything has to be, quote, mildified, which means that Hallmark movies offer nothing in terms of surprises. In fact, you know the end of the movie at precisely the same time you're watching the start of the movie. That's some real interstellar shit. But that's also the point, right? The thing that Hallmark movies provide is certainty. You know what's going to happen the literal moment you meet the main character. And most importantly, you know that everybody in that movie will be okay. Despite being produced in 2020, None of the 40 new Hallmark movies has anybody wearing a mask. Nobody mentions the pandemic. Nobody is denying the results of an election. In a world that's so good at surprising and scaring us, we just don't have much emotional energy left to gamble on uncertain outcomes. A Hallmark movie is a sure bet. You can sit down and know that, for the next two hours at least, the world simply isn't what it is. It's this other thing that feels nice and smells like cinnamon. And I'm not saying that we should or can even afford to ignore what's really happening. Don't be like me. We can't shut our eyes to the realities of the world. However, what I am saying is that it's okay to find ways to escape for a moment. I mean, that's kind of what Christmas really is anyway. Just an escape, something to look forward to. 
So in a year that has really put a pause on most of our holiday rituals, there's still one that we can enjoy from the safety of our homes. It doesn't have to be a Hallmark movie. Really, any Christmas or TV show that you've seen before will do the same thing. They all provide comfort. And that's exactly the gift that we need right now. Dear listener, we made it. It's been quite a year. By far, one of the best parts of this year has been reconnecting with you. Thank you for being there and for listening. This gift is just a small token of my appreciation. I got some help from my friend Joseph, who you'll meet, and by the way, also created that cool, jazzy, bluesy version of the theme you heard earlier. And then Nick did some of that editing magic he does, of course. And together, we made this for you. I hope you like it. Happy holidays, Brett. Can you imagine a Christmas without Christmas music? I mean, personally, I could do it without the decorations. You can take the tree and even the presents, and I'd still be festive. And dare I say, the chestnuts roasting on the open fire could be gone, and I could still feel the Christmas spirit. But if you take the music, I don't know, that may sound the death knell. So what is it about Christmas music? For me, and I know for a lot of people, I put it on and it's like a warm bath. Or perhaps a better simile would be, it's like sitting by a cozy fire. It takes you someplace. It pulls you somewhere. Joseph, my man, how are you? Brett. (laughs) Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I was pondering this question, and I decided to give my buddy Joseph a call. Joseph is a music lover like myself, also a musician, and by a degree from Berkeley, even a musicologist. But perhaps most importantly, Joseph, too, loves Christmas music. As we were getting into the conversation, I asked Joseph what his favorite Christmas album is. And I think his answer, in addition to being what the French might call a commentaire chaud, really speaks to the power of the music itself. Oof, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm gonna go hot take here. Not only is this my favorite Christmas album, but it has now entered the pantheon of If You Were Stranded on a Desert Island. Would this be one of your 10 albums? 
favorite Christmas album, Desert Island. I'm taking Charlie Brown Christmas. Ugh. I mean, you know, I'm not going to argue with you. Even Nick, <laughs> if he was here, would not argue with you. I know that you guys share an affinity. It is effortless virtuosity. From a musician standpoint, it's just bonkers. But then you tie in the visuals that are all in our head, like Charlie Brown is part of all of our Christmases. <laughs> and, and, like, you hear the songs and you just feel it. If I'm on a desert island, I, I want to celebrate my seasons. And you got to that desert island somehow. And you got memories before that. And if you're like, man, I'm stuck here, but each year when I imagine it's Christmas time, I'm going to listen to an album that I can get the most out of. And every year I can listen to that album and kind of focus on a different song or focus on the bass and just be wowed. Wowed. It is so beautiful. It's so good. Firstly, I am ashamed, embarrassed, dumbfounded to admit that as someone who has made several Desert Island disc lists in my life, I have never had a Christmas album on any one of them. Joseph is on point here. I mean, when it's time for you and Wilson to imagine it's Christmas time, what is going to transport you there? Some lights on a palm tree? Making snow out of coconut shavings? No, it's going to be the music. Christmas music has the power to completely transform a moment. It can truly dictate your experience. It has the power to cheer you up, to comfort you, to direct you, to inspire you, to make you laugh, and to make you cry. It is there for you like a good friend. And maybe this Christmas, more than any other, we could use that. And so I suggested to Joseph that instead of trying to discuss the power of Christmas music as a whole, that he pick a single song and we would use that as a case study for our exploration. He chose a classic by the name of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Now, this is not necessarily my favorite Christmas song, but it is one that can provoke a lot of emotion in me, especially certain versions. So how does it do that? Why does it do that? What is the magic? Well, let's start with the music and see what we can find. If you really look at the, the structure of the song, uh, it demonstrates beautifully heartbreakingly so, uh, the use of jazz chords and the complexity of those. Because, you know, we're normally listening to pop music and, and pop music sticks to majors and minors. Um, but there's the, the, the chord vocabulary in jazz is just so robust. Um, it's, it's stunning, right? You know, in pop music, you'll get two or three chords, maybe four or five, you know, if there's a nice bridge. Um, and, uh, you want to take a guess on how many chords are in this uh, song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? Well, you're comparing it to pop, so I'm going to say it's more. So four or five, maybe 10-ish? 10. You're in the, you're in the ballpark. Uh, try 17. 
17 chords. 17 different chords, which you, you would think would be like, well, that's just, that's just, that's just too many chords. Uh, that's very different than Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley, which I believe is one chord. One chord. One chord. <laughs> yep. So, um, so yeah, let, let's just walk through these different chords and you can hear, and, and we'll just talk about the voicings and how they differ from each other and, and the feelings that each of them pull out of you. So the song, the song's a, a standard jazz form. There's an A section, the A section repeats, and then there's a B section, a bridge, and then it comes back to the A section and that's it, right? Pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, the song, it starts in G and we're just gonna go with a normal G, right? Have yourself. And then it goes to the E minor seven, then an A minor seven and a D seven. So these are seventh chords, um, you know, just a little bit spicier, right? You know, you look at the regular D, that's your regular D, but now here's our D7. A little something extra in there, right? And it, and it repeats again, right? So. And it, and it goes right on through there. It's just, it's just lovely. It's just, it feels good. Uh, but then there's the, it, it does a nice little turnaround to bring us back home. So, uh, from now on. Our troubles will be out of sight. B7, E7, A7, D. You know, just a little, like, kind of a bluesy jazz turnaround, right? But when we go to the B section, that's where things really transform. And this is a line that kind of, that gets me, too. From now on, our troubles will be miles away so it goes all the way up to that e minor and then up to a g7 really setting it up right you know what's coming next but it's just that one line now from now on our troubles will be miles away and it's just like no they're not <laughs> all of our troubles are going to be there in january but for for these magical moments around the holiday sometimes they just all just fall away so that that line really resonated with me and it and it comes and they really bring it up to this big g7 up here remember we started in g but just a regular regular g now we've created this tension going way way high up and this is where the song really becomes truly magical in my my eyes we go to the once again in the olden days happy golden days of yore so in that little line so we start on a c major once again whoa there's the c minor sixth in the olden days, B minor, a B flat diminished. Listen to that thing. Happy golden days, A minor of your. That's just a lot of action right there, right? Uh, so I'm just going to play those chords again just so you can hear it without me nattering on. Funny thing, funny thing in that that makes me laugh is because we're just doing a simple walk down. Wah, 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 right? But it's the, the that little shift where the C major seven to the it's the same chord, but it's just it's just a different feeling there, right? And it's just coming from your basic C chord. The first chord you learn when you're playing guitar, right? But it's just got this whole other feel to it. So many different chords flying around, but 
it's just they just pull they move the song along and the lyrics match up and it's just it create i think that there's some of those chords just create some feelings that that, that are just so unique right and you don't hear them in day-to-day music you're in your you know it's not on your regular shuffle so all of a sudden when you do hear that that b flat diminished you're just like whoa you know it it, it does something to me As you heard, musically, this song is very complex. And I'll suggest that this song, with not only 17 chords, but with the complexity of those chords, creates a landscape for people to feel all the feels. Whatever comes up for you, whether it be joy or worry or the need for comfort or a momentary escape, there's space in this song for you to feel it. And it's not just the chords that are complex, the lyrics as well. And this is where Joseph's choice of have yourself a merry little Christmas was truly serendipitous. Because this may be the perfect Christmas standard for 2020. It may not be the song we want, but it is very possibly the song we need. Meet me in St. Louis. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was written by American theater and film composer Hugh Martin for the 1944 movie musical Meet Me in St. Louis. In the film, a family is distraught after the father announces he has gotten a job promotion and is going to move the whole family from St. Louis to New York. They're sending me to New York for good, to be head of the New York office of Fenton, Rayburn and Company. New York? What? New York. In a scene set on Christmas Eve, one of his daughters, Judy Garland's character Esther, sings Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas to comfort her despondent five-year-old sister Tootie, played by Margaret O'Brien. Have yourself a merry little Christmas let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. The song is a sort of musical wish for a merrier future. A future where faithful friends who were dear to us will be near to us once more and hope that someday soon we all will be together if the fates allow until then we'll have to muddle through somehow once again as in olden days happy golden days of yours now I should note The version of the song that Judy Garland sings in the movie is not the one that you hear most of the time. The much more commonly recorded version was created over a decade later in 1957 when composer Hugh Martin was asked to do a rewrite. Then I got a phone call from Frank Sinatra saying, I'm doing an album called A Jolly Christmas and I love your song. 
but it's just not very jolly. Do you think you could jolly it up a little bit for me? Sinatra asked Martin to revise the line, until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So then I wrote the line about, have you hang a shining star upon the highest bough? And Frank liked that and recorded it. And that line change was not the only alteration made at this time. Martin made several other alterations, presumably to jolly it up, changing the song from future tense to the present and drastically altering its mood and message. To give a few lyrical examples, the original, Next Year All Our Trouble Will Be Out of Sight, was changed to From now on our troubles will be out of sight Someday soon we all will be together became Through the Years We All Will Be Together and faithful friends who were dear to us will be near to us once more became faithful, faithful friends, friends who were dear to us who are dear to us gather, gather near, near to, us to us once more, more. suddenly those friends are here it's all rosy right now there is no reason to muddle through Everything is great. Hang that shining star. Hang a shining star upon the highest bar. Now, I'm not saying I'm anti-Holly Jolly, but I do find the original version to be more true to real life. Especially right now, as Joseph and I discussed. In looking at the lyrics, particularly the bridge, like as I was saying when I was in my demonstration, complicated the feelings are, and mm. the chords match the feelings, and, and those feelings match the times for right now. Right, right. Yeah, we're definitely living in, uh, in jazz chords right now. Yeah, yes, <laughs> changing constantly. <laughs> it feels like a much more diminished seven world than yes. a, you know, yes. a standard G. Right, exactly. <laughs> That, that is incredibly accurate. Whatever the year, Christmas is an emotionally complex time. It may seem simple in its appearance. It's festive, it's a holiday, it's giving. But in its experience, it is complex. Emotions seem to expand. And we can often be experiencing singular moments through the filter of a lifetime of memories. My son can be opening up a present and have this incredible joy on his face. And I can be feeling this huge warmth of, wow, it is so great to experience Christmas as a parent through my child. And simultaneously, I can feel sad because his grandmother is no longer here to witness those smiles because I miss my mom and my dad perhaps the most at this time of year and I can have all those feelings at the same time I do and for many of us maybe this year more than any other we know this is true 
95% of the versions of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas that you will hear from Bing Crosby to Etta James to Mary J. Bly to Michael Buble are the Sinatra version of the song, the jollified lyrics. Perhaps this year you will think about listening to the original version and heeding its call. In addition to Judy, Ella Fitzgerald, First Aid Kit, Phoebe Bridgers, and Manchester Orchestra are a few that have recorded that version. Or you can just carol out an a cappella version yourself. And while the original version of the song encourages us to look to brighter days ahead, it also reminds us where we are right now. The final word in the song is now. Have yourself a merry little Christmas now. Because this is where we are. It is the only time we know we have, and we get to choose how we experience it. So whether you let yourself be light, or muddle through somehow, or most likely do a bit of both and everything in between, remember to play some music. One of my favorite quotes about music was written by visual artist uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. His quote about music that really touched me is, art is how we decorate space, and music is how we decorate time. Mm. Which I think is just so beautiful, so, so accurate. And so with that in mind, this type of music is how we decorate the Christmas season. We had 17 chords, let's make it 18 chords, right? Because in jazz, they like to give you a fancy chord to end on, to deliver you with a little extra feel. So instead of ending on that G, which would work just fine, we're gonna go up and end on a, a G6-9. So listen to this baby. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Oh, Merry Christmas! <laughs>